My global IQ is 109. Survival is a mindset, not a skill set, says Greg Schaefer, my guest and the author of Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World. Greg speaks with authority, coming from a career spanning two decades with the FBI, including six years on the Bureau's elite hostage rescue team. It's always great to see you. I always enjoy our conversations. Well, great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about your philosophy. Survival is a mindset, not a skill set. In any critical incident, whether it is uh, your car being swept away in a raging river flood, uh, a house fire, tornado, or an active shooter event, your survival is dictated not on how strong, fast, and brave you are. It's dictated on what kind of mindset you have. How bad do you want to live? And the case in point that I bring to, to, to bear uh, light on this is, is a Pulse nightclub shooting back a few years ago in Orlando, Florida, uh, where over 50 people lost their lives. In that incident, nine people ran into a restroom. And Jim, I, I don't want to you know, come across speaking ill to death. I really don't. And, and I don't want to be viewed as that way. But nine people ran into a restroom because they knew that the shooter was out there killing people. They, they heard the gunfire. They, they knew that death was happening. So they ran inside the restroom, and then minutes later, the shooter entered the restroom and ended up, ended up shooting all nine of those people one at a time. My question is, why didn't they band together? Well, where was that one person that says, okay, when that son of a gun walks in this restroom, you grab the weapon, you go for his throat, you go for his arms, you go for his legs, you poke his eyeballs out if you have to. Like what happened 9-11 over Pennsylvania. Exactly. Let's roll. Where was Todd Beeman that said, let's roll? So you look at that flight on 9-11, they had good survival mindset. They said to themselves, we're not going down without a fight. Versus what happened at the Pulse nightclub where nine people, that's a lot of people, Jim, to fight off even if you are armed. Uh, but nine people basically cowered in a corner and, quote, waited for their turn to die. This morning I had donuts with my six-year-old grandson, and I was thinking about seeing you later today. And so at what age is it appropriate to begin to talk to your children about their security? That's a good question, Jim, and I get that a lot. You know, it's never too young. I'm sure your six-year-old grandson has already been told about stranger danger, correct? Well, same thing for active shooter. Tell them the best course of action, should they hear gunfire, is to run. Create space and distance from the threat. You have to remember that the hit rate on a moving target with a handgun is 4%. So you're a smart guy, what's the miss rate? 96%. So you have a 96% chance of not being shot by doing one thing. So telling a six-year-old if you hear gunfire, run, is probably the best course of action. And you know, we also tell them too, you, know, you catch on fire, what do you do? You stop, drop, and roll. So we do a lot of security training for our kids already. It's just on a conscious level. So I think active shooter response for somebody who goes to school, a kindergartner at six years old, I think is uh, well advised. And they're beginning to teach that now in schools and churches as well. And they are. We used to, in my age, have fire drills. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's having active shooter And the drills. mushroom cloud drill, remember that? I do. It's in the Cold get on, War. Get, get under the desk. <laughs> Absolutely, as if that would do anything. What questions should parents ask if they're you know, looking for a daycare center or when they go and consider different schools? 
the parent has to take responsibility for this. They really do. I, I always tell in all my lectures, uh, I ask the audience to raise their hand if they have children in schools, and then I ask them to keep their hands raised if they have addressed active shooter response to their principal or to the, the students, uh, their kid's teacher. A vast majority have never asked that question. I think it's incumbent upon every parent to ask that question. When you have parent-teacher conferences, ask Miss Jones, what is your plan of action? Should gunfire erupt outside this classroom, what are you going to do to save my child's life? I think it's a fair question for any parent to ask. And that same parent going to the principal and say, principal, I want to see your active shooter response plan. I want to see when the last time you trained for this. Greg, do you want to see teachers armed in the classroom? I want to see security in the classroom, but not armed teachers. Unless they're you know, retired military or retired police officer, that'd be the only exception. But teachers today, and my daughter's a teacher, they're already stretched so thin. They don't have enough money to pay for their own art supplies. So to ask them to purchase a weapon, conduct training, and buy their own ammunition, I think it's asking too much. It takes, a, again, a mindset to willingly take somebody's life. And that's what you're asking the teacher to do. Can they shoot one of their own students? That's a tough position to put anybody in. Now, I'm a big fan of bringing in retired law enforcement, retired military, and have them be armed guards in schools. But for the teachers, I'm not a big fan. And that's a good point when you think about the fact that it might be a child that they know well. Especially in private schools, Jim. You have them in private schools, some of these kids that started there in five years old, and now they're 18 years old you know, in high school. So can a teacher who saw little Johnny have an accident while he's a fifth, you know, five-year-old kindergartner, and now he's a 17-year-old mass murderer, can that teacher take that shot? Now a word from our sponsor. Dallas Baptist University is a global Christ-centered institution whose students are making an impact in business, law, medicine, education, public service, and the list goes on. DBU is honored to sponsor the Global IQ podcast and to offer a significant scholarship for World Affairs Council members towards a master's in international studies. For further information about this scholarship or about DBU in general, email Lee Bratcher at leeb at dbu.edu. So as you might imagine, the majority of our listeners are frequent travelers. And of course, it depends on where someone is going and at what time and so forth. But what are some of the must-do things that a person should consider before they're traveling abroad? First and foremost, have good situational awareness. Uh, if, if there's one thing you can do to increase your survivability rate and increase your security posture, it's just to know who and what is around you. Know where the exits are. Have a strategy or have a plan in every building you come into. Have an exit strategy. Play the what-if game. What will you do if you get in a taxi cab and all of a sudden somebody gets in the back seat with you? What are you going to do if somebody sticks a gun in your face and asks for your wallet? What are you going to do if the building catches on fire? So having good situational awareness is, is, is one thing. And the second thing, particularly traveling overseas, is have the four C's. The four C's are have a communication plan. Okay, Every day, at the same time of day, you should be calling somebody back here at home, checking in. If you miss two contacts in a row, they know that something is amiss, they should contact the authorities. Two, have cash. Authorities, who should they contact? The FBI. If okay. you're traveling overseas, the FBI. Um, and if you call the local police, they'll just probably direct you to the FBI as well. And then the State Department will get involved and 
Right. You know, they'll, they'll, look, they'll have a strategy to find you. Second C is, is cash. You always keep about $200 and $20 bills on hand in case of emergency. Cash is king, particularly overseas. And I know I have a lot of clients who have gotten out of a sticky situation by greasing a palm with a $40, $100 uh, American currency. So have a little bit of cash on you just for an emergency. Three, contact list. All of our contacts are on our cell phone. We lose our cell phone, it falls into the toilet or a lake or it gets pickpocketed, all your contacts are gone, okay? So have that contact list somewhere in the, in the cloud or a hard copy on you so that in an emergency, you know who to call and what the number is. And then the fourth C is credentials. Again, in the cloud, have a picture of your passport, your driver's license, your prescriptions, your insurance card, your medical insurance card. Have those things that you generally carry in your wallet or maybe a picture in your phone, have that in a cloud so you can go to any internet cafe and call those credentials out if you need them. Four C's of safety for traveling overseas. Great points. If, if you are assaulted or a robber comes up to you and he has a knife or a gun, is there a different way you should handle it? Not really. Uh, again, create space and distance as quickly as you can. If somebody is asking you for your purse if you're a lady or your wallet if you're a gentleman, you look him in the eye, you try to calm him down with your voice, you take your wallet or your purse and you throw it on the ground about five feet away from him. You do not hand it to him. You throw it on the ground five to six feet away. He is going to bend down or at least look at what you just threw and when he does, you run like the wind. And scream. <laughs> and scream, right. exactly. What are some of the points, and they're almost, in a sense, dumb, easily corrected steps that people should undertake to protect themselves in their home? When I read your book, I just thought, I think a lot of these things are quite simple, and why, why aren't I doing it? You know, a lot of this is common sense, Jim. It's just people, it's not on the forefront of people's mind. Um, you know, one of the things I, I recommend in my book, Stay Safe, is just walk in your neighborhood and have the mindset of a home burglar. You will be able to identify those homes that if you were a burglar, you would break into. It's based on their landscaping, their shrubs, is the front door you know, covered in shrubbery and, and poorly lit, or is it well lit and anybody on the street can see that front entrance. You can, with that mindset of a burglar, you can identify those homes that you would burglarize. Make sure your home is not one of them. So have good lighting. Um, you know, there's so many smart applications out there now with those smart doorbells and smart lighting. There's no reason whatsoever people shouldn't invest a little bit of money in having those so that when you do travel, your lights come on as they usually do in your home. You have that camera by your front door. You have a camera by the back door. So when somebody approaches, you know exactly who it is. So it's a, a lot of simple things. You know, have, I, one of the tricks I have in my book is put a dog bowl out by the backyard. Let them think you have a dog, whether you do or not. With a picture of a pit bull on it. Yeah, with a picture of a pit bull. You have to remember, particularly home burglars, they're lazy and they're cowards. They will go for the easy target. And they want to go in and out quickly. They want to go in and out quickly, correctly. Fortunately, I think I raised a teenage daughter safely. She's now uh, in her mid-30s. But I have to say, I wish I'd been aware of the advice uh, you wrote about daughter's date night. <laughs> Now you're embarrassing my daughter for the umpteenth time. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but seriously, you'll, you'll talk about this uh, now. But, you know, I, as your daughter said, I know my dad loves me. Yeah. 
So what, what steps did you take to protect your daughter? And did you really do this? No, it's a true story. She, she admits to it. This happened several years ago. Uh, my uh, middle daughter was in college, and she came to visit. She went to Virginia Tech University, and her and her sorority sister came to visit my, uh, me and my wife here in, um, in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we went out, and they ended up meeting a couple of young men who asked them out on a date a couple of days later. And the date was to go to a Rangers baseball game. So my daughter, knowing she's here to visit dad, asked, can we go out? I said, absolutely sure, no problem. And it was a 7.05 you know, opening pitch. So the guys come about 6 o'clock to pick the kids, girls up, and they're getting dressed upstairs. And when they arrive, I have no idea who these kids are. You know, They're 21, 20-year-old 20 young men. No idea who they are. So they come to the doorbell uh, or come to the front door, and I had just gotten off of work. I intentionally left my gun and badge on as an FBI agent, so they would recognize that. So they see the gun and see the badge. Like, that's intimidating. That's intimidating. That's, <laughs> it served its purpose. So they said, well, geez, uh, are you a police officer? I said, no, I'm an FBI agent. So they come in, and we sit down at the table. We talk, start talking a little bit, and I ask them, listen, gentlemen, I don't know who you are. You're taking my daughter out uh, with her friend. I need to see your IDs. And they both kind of chuckle. And, no, I'm, I'm serious. I need to see your IDs. So they gave me their, their license, and I took a picture of it, and I took a picture of them. And then before they got uh, and left uh, that, that evening for the date, I took a picture of their car and their license plate and said I had a good time. And, uh, you know, as soon as my daughter got in the car, you know, she could tell by the guy's attitudes that something was amiss here. So she said, you know, oh, my gosh, what did my dad do? So they told her the story. And, and she just kind of smiled and says, yeah, my dad loves me. Well, it does make sense. Your company, I mean, do you get retained sometimes by folks who just want to do inventory of their home or their company, or what do you do? Uh, a lot of corporate clients, not so many residential clients. Um, we do risk management, security consulting, uh, physical site assessments on buildings, how we make the building safer. And then, of course, right now, in this day and age, a lot of active shooter response training. So we come in and talk to the C-level executives to get them on board, then talk to all the employees about how they can survive their worst nightmare. Well, Greg, you were kind enough to give me a copy of your book, and I, I really do hope that our listeners will pick up a copy. You can get it on Amazon, is that right? Yes, sir. Um, and it's one of those books that you might just sort of lay around the house, and your children, I suspect if you ask them to read it, they might not, but if it's sitting there, the cover is compelling, and there's a lot of really valuable information for everyone. Well, thank you. It's an easy read. I think you probably read the entire book in three hours, and if you have kids, going off on their own or going to college, highly recommended. So the title of the book again is Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World, written by my guest today, Greg Schaefer. Thank you so much for listening to Global IQ with Jim Falk. It's a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. I'd like to thank my producers, Kara Sheckman and Kayla Smith, for editing and promoting the podcast. And I'd also like to encourage you, our listeners. I hope you'll review the program, as that will help us broaden our reach and you can do this on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred listening platform. And let me also take this opportunity to thank our new sponsor, Dallas Baptist University. We really appreciate them. And with that, I ask, what's your Global IQ? I'm Rachel Vogel, Vice President of Programs at the World Affairs Council. If you like Global IQ, the best way to support it is by becoming a member of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Join today at dfwworld.org forward slash join or learn about a World Affairs Council in your community by visiting worldaffairscouncils.org.